Hello, church. Uh, pleasure to get to be on your screen right now, uh, you know, in your living room. Love your couch, uh, you know. Um, yeah, my name is, uh, is Matt Barrios. I'm on staff here. I'm the Leadership Training and Development Minister. And I just say that because it's been a weird year, and chances are I haven't got to meet you face-to-face if you're new to our church. Um, and for those of you who I do know, I just want you to know I miss you so much. I'm excited for a time when we can be together in person, um, you know, maybe for communion or something, but I'm excited to see you. So anyways, um, today I get to preach in our uh, sermon series, God Forever. And during this series, we have been looking at the timeless characteristics of God that we can really depend on in any season. Today, I'm going to focus on the way that God is eternal. This is a classical attribute of God. He is an eternal being. And this sets him apart from us as humans and allows us also to have a really unique relationship with him. We're gonna be looking at this in Ecclesiastes 3. So here's our text. There is a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human heart. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better to do than to be happy, or there's nothing better for people than to be happy and do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we welcome your presence right now in in our living rooms and bedrooms and cars and wherever we're listening or watching, God. I just ask um, by your power, Holy Spirit, that these places would feel like uh, cathedrals, like these magnificent big spaces um, where a a, a God of magnitude can arrive. Um, So Lord, by your Spirit's work, would you transform the spaces right now? Open our hearts to your magnitude today. And God, yeah, we just, we love you. We welcome you as a God who is eternal, who was and is and is to come. Help me, God, uh, as, uh, as I help our church um, embrace you for who you really are, God. Um, may I be of humble service to my brothers and sisters, I pray. Amen. All right, so uh, this is the text in Ecclesiastes. Uh, it's really beautiful and poetic, but I also think it's really full of tension, In fact, uh, the tension goes three layers deep, I would say. 
uh, we look at these tensions, uh, and that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at these tensions and why it's really crucial for us to have, and why we're really lucky to have an eternal God to depend upon. So let me explain. The first tension, I believe, is around time. It moves slow and it moves fast, almost at the same time. Um, We'll get into the specifics of why this matters in Ecclesiastes in a moment, but first, this tension of time is something that I'm like hearing a lot. It's like a common sentiment uh, in our congregation from people that I'm talking to. I'm experiencing it for myself. There's lots of disappointment with this ongoing year and it feels like it never ends. And yet, weirdly, at the same time, it feels like it's going really fast. Um, It's like we're living in that tension of it takes forever and when did, where did all the time go? Um, so first on that first angle, it's like we're all the kids in the, in the back of the car on the road trip and we're asking, are we there yet? <laughs> That's 2020 for me. Um, recently, even uh, Emmanuel Macron, uh, the president of France, he said uh, empathetically to the, the people of France uh, in a message, uh, you know, as they're weathering COVID and all this, he said, I know this feeling of the day that never ends. And this painful slowness of time is revealed in how we speak about it. And not just about this year, but like in any kind of ongoing monotonous thing that we do. Uh, Packing up to move is taking forever. Or my workload feels never ending. Or engagement and wedding prep feels like it's taking an eternity. And I can guess there's probably at least like one thing in every one of our lives that we were wishing was done already. So that's one side of it. On the other side of it, it seems to me that like time is moving too fast. That it can feel that way. Infants became toddlers so quickly. The same apartment, same job, same relationship that you've been in that you don't know if it's going anywhere. Years have passed by in the blink of an eye. And we wonder where the years go and it's revealed in those sorts of phrases like I blinked and now I'm here or uh, I feel like I wasted my time. So again, in some things time feels too slow and other things time feels like it's going too fast and we're wondering where the time went. And uh, maybe you've tried watching a Christopher Nolan movie. Uh, try it is maybe a good way to put it. Uh, his movies always play with time. Um, the tension around time is uh, like kind of a fixture of every movie he does. And the movies are really intriguing and compelling. Uh, Time slows down in another layer of the dream in Inception. Uh, In Dunkirk, time moves differently for the plane versus if you're on on ground. And then, you know, whatever's happening in Tenet, like, (laughs) I don't really get that. (laughs) But anyways, um, we leave these movies compelled, intrigued, confused, and ready to buy another ticket to figure it out. And this is life, this is time. Time is weird, and we want more of it. So this is the first tension. Time moves slow, time moves fast. And this is part of the reason, uh, you know, we as people stuck in our timeline, stuck in chronology, we need an eternal God. So that's why we're examining Ecclesiastes 3 because I can't think of a section of scripture that can more fittingly and accurately describe this tension for us. 
the tension of something's feeling like eternity and something's uh, moving so qu- so quickly. We need an eternal God to help us navigate this tension. So that's the first layer of tension, tension of time. The second is similar. It's the tension of circumstances. Uh, some circumstances are good, some are bad, uh, some are easy, some are hard. And the speaker in Ecclesiastes uh, exclaims to us, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Or some, some translations will say uh, kind of under the sun. But as these seasons of life run the entire spectrum of possible circumstances, birth and death, killing and healing, mourning and dancing and so on, you know, it, it's, it's like runs the poles. And, you know, it, it's, it's not like in every season, turn, 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 like the, the lyrics to that bird song, uh, turn, turn, turn. If you don't know what I'm talking about because you're, you're kind of young, listen to the Forrest Gump soundtrack. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about with Forrest Gump, um, I can't help you. I, I can't help you there. Um, <laughs> so not only are we managing the tension of moments passing slowly or quickly, we are also in the tension of our circumstances. Some seasons are good, some seasons are bad. And I think this is especially happening in this year that we're in. Some people are like crushing COVID and I'm so envious of them. (laughs) Some people though are utterly suffering. Some people have high hopes for the future and some are stuck in some like debilitating anxiety about what's next. And the only thing consistent for all of us is the unpredictability of it, the unpredictability of our circumstances. One season can easily become the opposite. So how do we cope with that? Perhaps you can see, like me, this tension in Ecclesiastes. Um, You know, every single pairing of seasons of times it's rather poetically written uh, as a contradictory pair. You know, uh, they're polarized opposites. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. And the list goes on. Each line, you know, one time's contrasted with the other. They're just there side by side. So what does Ecclesiastes teach us about life then? This is what I think it teaches us. No matter the direction that things are going right now, it might all spin the opposite direction in the next season. Times of laughing might become times of weeping. Times of mourning might become times of dancing. Um, Our times of speaking might become times of silence. And not only this, um, the good seasons, those good seasons seem to move too fast. And the bad ones seem to take forever. Um, So, you know, right now, if you're feeling particularly depressed right now, seasonal depression is is a legitimate thing. You know, daylight savings is messing everybody up with that. And it might feel like months are years right now. And, uh, you know, just my heart acknowledges that, cares for you in that. You know, on the other side of that, like if you're falling in love right now, 
um, you know, it might still feel like love's in the air, like springtime, like, you know, it's been a blink since spring. Time's blazing by. And this is how things are. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. So when you think about life like this, I think it can actually become maddening and it doesn't make sense. And the writers of Ecclesiastes, uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes actually calls it meaningless. I have seen things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. And maybe you also feel like this. Maybe 2020 is meaningless. Maybe it's vanity. Uh, It's grasping at straws, chasing after wind, laboring without gain. Maybe this is how you feel. But here's the question. How do we remain faithful to an eternal God as people navigating these sorts of tensions in fleeting moments? Here, Ecclesiastes gives us a clue and actually a third tension to be in. I think it's the tension of choice. We get this in the next section. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and do good while they live that each of them may eat and drink and, in, and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it, nothing taken from it. And God does it so that people will fear him. So I'm referring to what we're seeing here as the tension of choice. How will we as humans choose to engage our circumstances in the passing of time? How will we toil? What will we do for work? How will we eat and drink? And basically everyone I know right now is considering like big life choices. It's, it's, it's astounding the number of people who I'm talking to are like big picture questions coming up right now. Should I move, look for a new job? Uh, you know, should we try to get pregnant? You know, all of these things. And this is all on top of the everyday mundane normal choices that we have, like what should I make for dinner tonight? So the writer of Ecclesiastes gives us an option for how to choose to engage our lives. And honestly, I'm really into it. It's in uh, verses 12 and 13. 12 and 13. I know that there's nothing better for people than to be happy and do good while they live, that, eat, that we may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all of our toil, for this is the gift of God. And if we're experiencing the tension of time being fleeting, and if we're experiencing the tension of circumstances being good or bad, you know, we may as well make the best of it. Be happy, do good. Uh, let's enjoy good food and drink and uh, spend our lives working on stuff that's cool. And um, that's what we get in this fleeting life. Eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow you die. It's a pirate's life for us. (laughs) 
and this feels like so so San Francisco millennial YOLO lifestyle. Let's have fun. Let's live it up. Let's find jobs that have an impact and make the world a better place. And then we can exist in that sort of that sort of optimistic triumphalism, that utopian dream and chasing after it. And yet at the same time, I think, I think we've all lived this way. This reinvention of hedonism that's masquerading as humanitarianism. You know what I'm talking about. We've lived this way. I mean, I know I have. And I've uh, talked to many of you, so I know many of you have as well. Um, you know, we're chasing the next best meal, vacation, raise, promotion, some sort of satisfaction or impact. And you know, it's great. It's, yeah, it's great until it's not, right? And this is the tension of choice. We can engage our circumstances in a way that's looking for personal satisfaction in how we work, eat, drink. And maybe I'd add to that list, uh, you know, what we watch, what we know, who we're dating, how people perceive us. We can chase down personal satisfaction in a multitude of ways. And we can choose that. But I think we also know how much choosing that, choosing to chase that sort of satisfaction can only go so far for us. But why? But why? I mean, why does time seem to be slow and fast? Why are our circumstances unpredictable? Why this tension of choice? And I think this is why. Because God has hidden eternity in the human heart. The reason why that it feels like life, you know, things can take forever, time can take forever. The reason why we get mad when somebody dies the reason why we can't just eat and drink and be merry for, for ultimate satisfaction. It's all because God set an eternal longing in your heart that only an eternal God can satisfy. And at this point, you know, I think it's crucial to define eternity, which feels like an absurd thing to try to do to define eternity. Uh, but I'll take a swing at it. Um, it's a very abstract concept, so I'm going to like, try to define it in a picture. So imagine a, a shoot of bamboo, right? It, um, it starts from a seed in the soil. It starts to shoot up. And bamboo grows really, really fast. It can grow like, up to three feet per day, really fast. So it stretches higher and higher into the sky towards the sun. And um, you know, storms come, the wind blows it. It uh, bows with the storm, the, the rain waters it. And I think this is a picture of the way time and eternity interact. Time starts somewhere and it expands further and further up toward eternity, toward the sun. And, uh, and this is kind of like, you know, bamboo. Uh, you know, bamboo shoots up, it's in the soil, goes toward the sun, but eternity and I think this is, this is what I think eternity is like in this picture. Eternity is that soil, the sun, 
the rain, the wind, all of this stuff that's surrounding the timeline that you and I are living in. And it's, it's allowing it, allowing that growth into the future to happen. So like a bamboo shoot grows toward the sun, the human heart longs, it really longs for, it's directed toward eternity. And not just toward eternity, toward a God who is eternal. And let me tell you about this eternal God. The scriptures testify to the eternal nature of God. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. Now the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. God is high above, exalted forever, eternal, beyond comprehension, existing on a whole nother level. But as the writer of Ecclesiastes understands it, we are but mere creatures locked in time, subject to circumstances that we can't control, and choosing you know, freely how we chase our satisfaction, which honestly, that satisfaction might become disappointment in a day or two. We are living life under the sun, under heaven, under eternity, not in it. But we have an ongoing longing for the eternal and for an eternal God. And as Ecclesiastes describes it, that eternal God is, is far off, distant from us. And we have this desire for an eternal God who can meet the eternal longings of our hearts. So enter Jesus. Jesus is the glory of God made manifest, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, the word of God made flesh. In Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. The same yesterday, today, and forever. The alpha and omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is the fullness of an eternal God dwelling among us, incarnate, growing up from an infant, living our days, eating our food, feeling our temptations and woes, bleeding like us, crying like us, celebrating like us, embracing the human tensions around time, circumstance, and choice. This is Jesus, an eternal God among us. And the people who knew him best could recognize it. So let me tell you a story. It's from John 6. So Jesus miraculously just fed uh, the 5,000. Um, 
Then a crowd follow him as he travels on a boat over some waters. There's a storm that hits. And, uh, you know, Jesus says some words and quiets the storm because he's God. And then uh, he gets to the other side and this, you know, group of 5,000, they migrated to this other side of the lake and uh, they're waiting for him. And he gives them a teaching on eternal life. And strangely, uh, not just eternal life, in an echo of Ecclesiastes on food. And Jesus says to this crowd that he just fed, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed the seal of approval. And the people listening wonder, rightfully, what in the world is he talking about? Uh, Because, you know, they're lowly people like you and me, um, locked in their timelines, taking it day by day, and, you know, trying to figure out when to eat next. Like, that's the thing that they're thinking about. So this heavenly and eternal man, Jesus, clarifies what he's talking about, and he says that he is their eternal food. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which any may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And it's like he's telling the people there, and, and telling us, you're looking for what will get you by in the next fleeting moments. And we might, we, you know, now we might be thinking about our next meal or our next paycheck or, you know, whatever's, whatever's our next thing that's kind of pressing on us. But Jesus has a bigger game to play. He wants to give give them in this story and he wants to give us eternity. How would he do that? By giving us himself. He is not some far off eternal God removed from us like the writer of Ecclesiastes estimated. He's so present, so here and now, that we can actually take him into our bodies and become one for all eternity. Take in the bread of life, Christ himself. An eternal God that's present with us. But the the story doesn't stop there, it goes on. So upon hearing his teachings, many of his disciples, they paused. Um, They were faced with the tension of choice. They were like, should I live my life chasing the next satisfaction, delighting in my toil, what I eat and drink? Or can my heart actually have what it's longing for? Can I actually get eternity in Jesus? And each one of us asks similar questions as we go throughout our days. And, and frankly, answers those questions for ourselves as we go throughout our days too. Should I focus on my worries and circumstances, getting the next paycheck, 
next promotion, next date, getting through the next fleeting moment? Or do we want the eternity our hearts are made for that's available in Jesus? So in John 6, after getting the option for eternity, many left and freely chose the fleeting moments over the eternal life. And Jesus asked the 12 disciples who were still there with him if they wanted to leave too. And Peter, he, he gets it. And I hope we get it too. And he replies, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. So if you feel like life under the sun in these fleeting moments feels mundane and meaningless, that's because you are made for the eternal. And only Jesus has the words of eternal life. So what, just real quick, what does this mean for us practically? First off, I charge all of you to look up onward toward eternity more often. These fleeting moments matter. They, they really do matter. But only when they're attached to eternity through faith. As you go about your everyday stuff, um, just pause, pray, connect with our eternal God. He is where our hearts find an eternal home. Second, um, we might find ourselves if we do that, getting perspective. We might find that there's things that we are treating like they're everything. Uh, and, and maybe from this eternal p perspective, they might actually feel inconsequential. It might even be that things, uh, the world thinks that matter in this eternal perspective matter less than we think. Also, maybe some things we overlook might actually be more weighted with eternity than we would have thought. You know, it, it cuts both ways. Um, and I won't say too much on this. I'm going to let you discern with God for yourself what that looks like. Um, but pray the Holy Spirit will make it clear. Some more practical things. Um, I think when it comes to spiritual practice, um, two spiritual practices are helpful. Uh, some weekly rhythms of keeping a Sabbath and receiving communion. And these are really big for preparing our hearts for eternity. So in Sabbath practice, uh, we take a day where it feels like Time's endless and open. Uh, you know, every, every Sabbath, I just get really bored and I'm like, oh my gosh, is this thing going to keep going on and on, right? Um, but in that, we get to abide, abide in the eternal completeness that God, of what God has done already. We take one day, one day out of our week to join in with God as he says it is finished. So, Please keep Sabbath practice. God will be waiting for you there. And also another weekly spiritual practice is receiving communion. So um, yeah, this is what Jesus is describing in, in John 6. And there, as we receive communion, we get to eat and drink in remembrance that our eternal life is received from Christ's life, an eternal God's life given. And lastly, um, if you feel something of an ache in your heart, you know, the fact that God really put eternity in your heart. Maybe that's 
that's coming alive for you in a different way and seeing Jesus as an eternal solution, friend in that. Um, I'm going to invite you and encourage you to, after this service, connect with people who would love to pray with you over Zoom. And, um, you know, they're going to hear, hear what you're carrying, pray for you, bless you, and please, you know, tune in, pray with people, all right? So with that, um, let me pray as the band's coming up. And, uh, yeah, join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, you are our good and eternal God. Where else can we go but to you for the eternal life our hearts long for? Really nowhere, God. Only you have what we're most deeply looking for, Jesus. So please bless my brothers and sisters. Hear the cry of our hearts for eternity. Thank you for giving your body as a sacrifice in order to bring us into your eternal life, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, would you please just meet us now in worship? We pray, Lord, that you'd be honored and glorified. In Christ's name.